0: to Needs More Words, a podcast about writing and reading, because we're all stuck on something. I'm Margaret. And I'm Vicki. And today we're going to do something a little bit different, and we're going to take a deep look at one of Vicki's stories, The Rock Garden. Yay! But before we really dive into that, we're going to talk about what we're currently writing and reading. So Vicki,
1: what are you writing? Uh, so, this month has not been as good for writing as I would have liked, Uh, though I'm going to the cottage shortly, so maybe I'll get caught up then, uh, and, you know, the month's not over. But we did just recently have NYC Midnight's Flash Fiction Contest, Round 1! Yay! Ah, uh, so both of us are doing this again, I... Uh, if you haven't gone through our archives, we did an episode all about NYC Midnight, uh, or one of our first episodes, I think, actually. I think it was the first full-length episode. Possibly, yes. Uh, this is a contest we've both done before, and again, obviously doing again. So for round one, my prompt was suspense, a daycare facility, and a blueberry muffin. Three things that actually went together reasonably well, which is always nice, Pretty happy with the story I came up with. Did have a bit of a odd they're trying to figure out what the difference between thriller and suspense is. They really aren't different genres, but NYC Midnight's genre list is kind of odd. Ultimately with this the you know thousand word story, I was like, well, suspense can be a slower start than thriller. And that's the difference. But really there's no difference. <laughs> so what did you have for it?
0: Yeah, so I had drama, a warehouse, and a punching bag. Which again, went together reasonably well, but I tend to write humorous specfic. <laughs> so drama was an experience. I thought about a couple different story things, but in the end, I decided that the heart wants what the heart wants, and the heart wanted Batman. Na 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 na
1: Batman!
0: And I have been doing a fair bit of writing besides that, because I'm in the midst of Camp NaNoWriMo. I should hit my 20,000 words. I was also wrong about there only being 20,000 words left in the story. Oh. And I just want to say, I don't know whose past self needs to hear this, but they come up with a clever new plan is a terrible thing to put on your outline. I think that past Margaret needed to hear that. Curse you, past Margaret. I'm currently writing a lot of conversations that probably should have taken place five to ten chapters earlier so that this information would already be out there and whatever plan I am slowly figuring out would seem a lot more organic. But that's what second drafts are for.
1: Yes. Editing fixes the things.
0: So what are you reading that has been fixed by editing?
1: I have been reading The Relentless Moon by Mary Robinette Kell, one of our favorite people. This is book three in her Lady Astronaut series. What's kind of interesting is it has a different narrator than the previous two books, and it's actually set concurrently with book two. Uh, Whereas book two, we have Alma York on a shuttle on her way to Mars. This is what was happening back on, well, partly on Earth and as one may guess from the title, partly on, on the, moon. the moon. My copy hasn't shown up yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. My copy showed up a day before the release date. Hooray for not strict on sale dates. And then I guess I've also uh, said that one of my month themes for this month was to read some comics slash graphic novels slash manga. So I've been reading a few volumes of uh, Tokyo Terariba Girls by Akiko Higa Shimura, who is the same author who did my beloved princess jellyfish. Ooh. Yeah, it it's fun, a little awkward because it's a sort of I it's definitely similar in spirit to Sex in the City and we have our main characters who are three single ladies and they all sort of like I am going to you know, try to get married before the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. Hey, well, you all got an extension. <laughs> Woohoo! extra years
0: to figure this out. I mean, of course... Our athletes are hanging out with their friends Ben and Jerry. Or at least one of them is. (laughs) CBC posted a video.
1: Mmm. Good old CBC. Uh, So that's been fun, and yeah, that's what I am reading. How about you? So I am
0: reading Shadowfall by Alexander Freed, which is the second book of the Alphabet Squadron trilogy in the new Star Wars canon. And... I have been warned, much like the first book, Alphabet Squadron, was comparable to Wraith Squadron, Shadowfall is comparable to Iron Fist. Oh. For those of you who are not Star Wars Legends nerds, this means I am bracing for heartbreak. (laughs) Well, it's good to know what you brace for. And I I keep looking over at my Baby Yoda doll and going, this book really isn't appropriate for Baby Yodas.
1: Well, you know, Baby Yoda is 50. I think it's about time that Baby Yoda learned a little more about the real world. Anyway, it's
0: still a great cast of characters, but Mr. Freed... If one of your characters is a single mother, I do require a throwaway line explaining where her five- or six-year-old child currently is. Don't forget that children exist. Until he gives me a better answer, I'm assuming Mon Mothma has him. Also
1: remember that when your Star Wars characters are pregnant, and that that physically affects them. So that's yes. a different book. Yes. <laughs> and a different male author. <laughs>
0: and a female editor who regrets it. Yes. But uh, despite my grumbling about someone please just tell me who is watching Jason Sindula. I am really enjoying the really well-drawn cast even if I am expecting the book to be completely brutal.
1: I like brutal books. I really should get caught up with that series. I have Alphabet Squadron somewhere. So, it's, it's
0: really good. <laughs> But this is not a Star Wars podcast, so yes. let's move into our main topic. <laughs> All right, we'll be back after
1: this quick break. Today we're trying this set something new. I'm going to call it a deep dive into a story that one of us has written. In this case, me. We're looking at my story. It's called The Rock Garden. I wrote this last year for the Yeah Write contest. I'll link to that in the show notes. So for Yeah Write, this uh, so is the first round of their one of their super contests or super challenge. I was given a prompt that had a location and an object. The location for this one was outside a family member's residence, and the object was a pretty rock. Hey, they didn't give you a genre. (laughs) No, it was was nice, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to dive right into Specfic. It's a modern fantasy, and had the extra fun of, because I was writing this, it was October, and I know this because... I happen to be volunteering at an event at the Diefenbunker, which is a the, the Canadian Cold War Museum. It's basically a four-story underground bomb shelter that was built during the Cold War so that the Canadian government could have somewhere to run and hide in the case of nuclear war. Including Prime Minister Diefenbaker. Actually not... I don't think Diefenbaker really had almost anything to do with it. And I, I think he may have... It just got his name somehow because it was funny. It is funny. <laughs> the connection to Diefenbaker is pretty tenuous at best, as, as I recall. So the event I was at, though, was a Halloween event where they had tour, haunted tours beca- with people dressed up as zombies. And I was one of these zombies. And I also had to write a story. So I was dressed up as a zombie... I will definitely make sure I share the picture because my cousin did my makeup and did an amazing job. And between tour groups, I sat underneath a stairwell to listen for the next tour group and wrote my story. Stranger things have happened with these contests. That's true. And surprisingly, no zombies appear in the story. That is impressive. <laughs> in the show notes, there is a link to where you can read the story. Or uh, I am going to, in a pre-recorded segment, read it to you now. the rock garden. I've been waiting my entire life for today. You might think that's an exaggeration, but trust me, it's not. This day is the literal reason I exist. Confused? You won't be, once I tell you that I'm part of the Devereaux family. And currently, it's my generation's turn to duel for the right to our family spellbook. I have a lot to make up for, as my mother nearly missed out on winning it outwitted by her younger sister, my Aunt Lucille. Now her daughter, Marianne, is going to unwittingly help me win it back. My cousin is... nice. Really nice. Sickeningly nice, if I'm honest. But don't think that I don't love her. Just because she's a rival doesn't change the fact that she's family. But that isn't going to stop me from defeating her. I know the book is somewhere in her house, under a cloaking spell. For the last year, I've been trying to determine the spell's power source, and finally I have it, the rock garden. I should have guessed it sooner. I know how proud Lucille is of it. Marianne loves it too. She always insists we play around it, even now that we're too old for playing. Not that you know it from looking at her. She still has stuffed animals in her bedroom. I sit down beside the garden and begin picking up stones. Some of them feel alive with magic. Others are just plain rock. After a few moments, a shadow falls over me. I look up, and it's Marianne. What are you doing? I shrug and summon up my most innocent smile. I was wondering what these do. Oh! She beams at me. I can tell you. What did I say? She's nice. That would be great. She sits beside me and reaches for a nearby piece of snowflake obsidian... Dark and light and lovely. Most of them are channelling stones. This one is for cleaning spells. She hands it to me, and the magic feels like pop rocks against my palm. As I hold it, I focus on a small stain on my jeans. It disappears before my eyes. Handy, I say, putting it back. I haven't been that interested in rock magic before, but maybe it's something I should look into once I have the book. I pick up a piece of petrified wood. What about this one? That is a teleportation stone. Its twin is at Granny's, so we can go there whenever we want. That particular destination would be less handy for me, since Granny lives next door to us, but still a good trick to learn. But it's not what I'm after. I put it down and pick up a black stone I can't identify, ready to ask about it. Marion beats me to the next question. Have you heard from Jeremy lately? I shake my head, then frown. Jeremy is my slightly older cousin. Born one week before me, and he never lets me forget it. He's been a vocal thorn in my side, as serious as I am about getting the book. And yet, now that I think about it, there's been no sign of it recently. Marianne also frowns. Well, maybe he's been sick, or something. Or something. I clench my fist around the rock. It feels cold and heavy. That's just a regular stone, by the way, Marianne tells me. And when I glance up, I see, just for a moment, an odd smile on her face that I can't quite make sense of. But before I can dwell on that much, something else catches my eye. I turn my head and see the gleam of Azurite. The rock is as blue as its name and mottled with mystery. It's beautiful. It has to be the stone I'm looking for. I reach for it, and Marianne's face shifts once again. This time, I recognize the emotion. Fear! No! She cries, "Don't!" I ignore her and grab it. The stone is warmed to the touch and almost pulsing with power. I smile in triumph, but it's fleeting as the stone warms even more. Now uncomfortably hot, now burning. I scream and try to drop it, but the stone is fused to my hand. I look at Marianne, and she is smiling again. I recognize the expression. I've seen it before, in my own reflection. Mary, before I can finish, everything is gone. Poor Rosemary. She always thought she was so clever, and that I was just so damn nice. I pick up the stone that now contains her soul, and put it in my pocket. Then I go inside, immediately heading upstairs towards my bedroom. In my room, I stand in front of the shelf that appears to be filled with stuffed animals and figurines. Only one of them is real, the glass unicorn. And I pick it up. I grasp it tightly enough that it draws a few drops of blood. Devereux blood. The shelf's true contents are now visible. An old book and a stone. I place the newest part of my collection alongside them. There you go, cousin. Now you're worth the spellbook after all. And once I turn 18 and my claim is complete, I'll let you out again. I touch the other stone, a piece of hematite. You too, Jeremy. I restore the cloaking spell and head down to eat. There's two cousins down. Only three more to go. You might say I'm not so nice after all, given what I've done to them. But I don't think that's a fair judgment. Granny killed all of her cousins. At least mine are still alive. From a certain point of view... My certain point of view? I think that makes me the nicest of all.
0: Where do you get your
1: ideas? (laughs) So I think for this one, other than obviously the prompt, which established that we had a family member, residence that you know gave, brought, took me in the direction of a family. I think that the biggest inspiration was Stardust by Neil Gaiman. Maybe more so the movie because I actually like the movie better than the book, and I've seen the movie several times and I've only read the book once, and I don't remember it that well. But we have the family, the royal family, who basically to become the ruler, you have to kill all your siblings and be the last one standing.
0: It's a very fatal game of dibs, much like the Ottoman Empire.
1: And so I think that was the main theme. I also came with the idea of especially a, a magic spell book, which I didn't call a grimoire because everything calls it a grimoire, I didn't want, or a book of shadows or whatever. I didn't want to use that terminology, but that is basically what it is. I've been watching uh, Alison Pregler's reviews of Charmed, uh, which if you like Charmed, you may not like her reviews, but if you thought charm was kind of a mess a lot of the time, highly recommend checking them out. So yeah, those are definitely the two inspirations that were I was most aware of, at least. Yeah, the whole family
0: conflict over magic is definitely a big folklore theme. You see it in in Fables, too. Yes. 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 Because you see every every folklore theme in
1: Fables, and then some. And we we mean fables the comic book, not you know big F fables, not little F fables in general. Yes. Yes, I definitely I mean I I I imagine that I mean Stardust being heavily folklore inspired as well, that being inspired by Stardust, it's all It's a long long standing tradition. <laughs> yes. Yes. Don't trust your family. They're trying to kill you. Cause magic is a pain. <laughs> yes, yes. A little... Magic has a cost, and the cost may be some awkward family reunions. Yeah, I wouldn't want to go to Thanksgiving. No, no, probably not. Certainly would not eat any food that they served you. Yeah, so what did you like best about how this came out? (laughs) Uh, I really was pretty happy. It was actually nice revisiting it, because I'm like, oh, I hadn't, hadn't looked at it for a while, and appreciated it. More maybe after giving it some time. I've oh, I always was really happy with how the twist turn came out. I like there were a few little seeds of it planted in the first section that you know, re- revealed along with the fact that Marianne is not so sweet and innocent it's after just all. So damn nice.
0: Yes, I really enjoy that line. I feel like the witch from Into the Woods would
1: appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, likely another inspiration in my head in the background. <laughs> I mean, clearly Obi Wan Kenobi came into it at some point too. I mean, I am pretty sure I had, you know, barely recently watched the rewatched the prequels and was on my Obi Wan. Li- Obi Wan is the biggest liar in the world, so it's inappropriate. Oh, Obi Wan. But this is not a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> we swear, really. <laughs> and I also, I, I actually thought I, one of my favorite lines uh, of Hanry Reed was, "The magic feels like pop rocks against my palm." I just, I like that, that image. imagery. <laughs> and it was also fun to just research, you know, like I need a bunch of different colored stones. What, you know, okay, Google fancy stone. What does this look like? Okay, what can I, you know, I, I tried to find some stones that had some meaning. Beyond, you know, just, it's a pretty rock. Though, I had to use a pretty rock because that was my object, so that's why I went with the, the azurite, which is a pretty rock. On as an aside, also the name of my island in
0: Animal Crossing. Good name. One thing I really liked on this was the point of view change.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed that though. I will say, uh, in my reading, uh, it kind of was a little awkward because I'm like, oh, is it is it clear now that we have a different POV switch? Particularly because you don't only get Rosemary's name once. But hopefully everyone followed along okay. Yeah, generally when it's first person,
0: you expect that you know she might fail, but it's good if she's gonna fail, it's gonna end with her failing. (laughs) Yes, and instead we end with someone
1: succeeding. Just not who we started out following. Yeah, yeah. I also like like the little things that Marianne is hiding. All the the things that Rosemary actually gets wrong. Yeah,
0: Rosemary didn't have a good read on her.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Rosemary is a little arrogant and... And now she's a rock. Now she is a rock. These things happen. So what what was challenging about writing this? Well, other than the aforementioned writing under a staircase, which honestly went better than I expected, it was was an odd day. I found, as always, the word count. You needed more words? I really could have used more words. As as I was revisiting it now, you know, for this episode, I remember being like, oh, wait, I remember there used to be, originally you saw Rosemary's mother. In the last scene. And obviously I'm like, oh, I guess I must have cut that for length at some <laughs> point. I'm like, oh, okay, that's not here anymore. But I think it, it came together pretty well.
0: Yeah, yeah Workout is the eternal challenge.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so there there's many reasons why our show is named what it is. Yes. So obviously it's sitting
0: on your website, but... Do you have any other thoughts on something you might do with this?
1: Well, I really like the overall concept of the magical family feud. So I've actually, in the back of my mind, have some plans to take the story and expand into something longer. Probably what happens in the rock garden will not make it into the final piece. It'll, uh, it'll just be the actual setup. You'll see more of the cousins and get more backstory and stuff. But
0: Find out who the three we didn't hear about are. Our...
1: Yeah, yeah, well, you know, basically just take all the the basic world building, because there was a fair amount of world building in this. Yes, piece. there was. And not a lot of space for it. No, it's, it's the fun of doing uh, specfic on short pieces. So, yes, I'm hoping to take that idea and do something bigger with it. I don't know when that will happen, but one day I am hopefully will find the time to get that done.
0: Uh, yeah, it is a really neat world, and I want to read more about it, too.
1: Yeah, and we'll actually, you know, see who ultimately does get the book, because, you know, Rosemary is gone, but, and Jeremy's down, but there are more. Marianne hasn't won yet. All right, well, I think that is about it for our deep dive, so hopefully everyone enjoyed that, and we'll just take a quick break and come back with our HEA.
0: Okay, so that brings us to our H-E-A, or Happily Ever After, which is the part of the show where we wrap things up by talking about whatever is making us happy in this moment. So, Vicki,
1: what's making you happy right now? Well, what's making me happy is, for the last two weeks, both of us actually have been doing a tutorial from the YouTube channel How to Cake It, tutorial by Yolanda Gump, the host of the channel, on the basics of cake and icing. So we've done two weeks in, made two delicious cakes, vanilla cake with vanilla frosting the first week, and chocolate cake with chocolate frosting the second. Both turned out really well for me, and uh, Margaret's looked like yours turned out pretty good too. Oh, they were really good. I get to finish
0: off the chocolate cake tonight so that my cake plate is is clean.
1: (laughs) Hmm. Yes, it's important to have a clean cake plate because we are making cake number three tomorrow morning. Um... We, we we sort of make this together. We're on a call with each other as we're baking. It's very nerdy and very fun. And it actually gives me social interaction that isn't my husband. <laughs> social interaction is good. And then you get delicious cake at the end. Yes. So, yes, tomorrow our, we will be making banana cake with chocolate ganache icing, which sounds amazing. In the past, I'd struggled with my cakes, not turning out how I wanted them. So we've learned a lot of great tricks, particularly for me, because I I actually do have a stand mixer, and Yolanda uses a stand mixer, so there's some things she's done that have been stand mixer-specific, though mostly you've been able to adapt most of it for your hand mixer, right? Yeah, like the only thing I straight
0: up couldn't do was the Italian meringue buttercream because that
1: involved pouring molten sugar. Mm Mm-hmm. And honestly, what it did was difficult with the stand mixer anyway. I actually found the Swiss meringue was easier to handle anyway, so. It didn't involve stiff peaks. <laughs> yes, so we, yeah, so we definitely learned nice tricks. Um, you know, learning how to really, really mix your butter and your sugar by mixing it on, with your stand mixer on high for eight minutes. And at the end, it becomes this fluffy, amazing goodness. And put the vanilla in with the fat. <laughs> and put the vanilla in with the fat. So yes, it's a lot, definitely a real fun little little course. So she just offers that for free. So I think you probably could still sign up for it. And uh, that's been a highlight of each Saturday morning is making a yes. cake. And how about you? What's making you happy these days? Well,
0: besides cake, I've been watching a lot of videos from Bernadette Banner who is a historian who looks at historical clothing and puts a lot of effort into reproducing it using period techniques and doing a lot of research with extant garments, looking at how things were made. I've learned a lot. For instance, I learned that whalebone wasn't bone. Fascinating. It was baleen, which sounds way more comfortable than bone.
1: Also more practical, because baleen is... Flexible and probably can be cut easier than bone when you have bone shards jabbing into you, which I wouldn't put it past people. But and the baleen becomes more flexible when it's up against the body because the heat
0: makes it bendier. She spent a lot of time debunking a lot of the Hollywood misconceptions about corsets and the fact that they weren't torture devices;
1: they supported the bust. Yes. Now, I mean, I think the, the 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 most extreme corseting, I would argue was also a torture device yes well she also talks about how
0: incredibly uncommon tight lacing was because most women in most social classes had to do stuff yes compares it a bit to she spent her adolescence wearing a back brace for scoliosis or as she puts it basically a corset so that gives her an interesting point of reference in that she has lived with that sort of structured garment on her body 23 hours a day. It's a really interesting YouTube hole to fall down. Yeah. So I guess that
1: kind of wraps us up for the day. Yeah, so thank you everyone as always for listening and just a quick reminder, we are on Ko-Fi, so it's a Ko-fi.com slash podcast all one word. No pressure to do so, but we have costs for our hosting that you could help with if you so desired.
0: Thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Bye. Needs More Words is hosted by Vicki Martin and Margaret Hansen. This episode was edited by Margaret Hansen. You can listen to our show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at Needs More Words.